1: And welcome to episode 260 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in
0: Ann Arbor. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Colonial Surety Company Bonds and Insurance. Whatever court bond you need, get a quote and purchase online at ColonialSurety.com forward slash podcast.
1: And we'd also like to thank ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted, pre-screened process servers. Work with the most professional process servers who have experience with high-volume serves, embrace technology, and understand the litigation process. Visit ServeNow.com to learn more.
0: And finally, we do want to mention that the second edition of our book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, is available on Amazon. Everybody agrees that collaboration is essential in today's world, but now, more than ever... Knowing the right tools
1: will make all the difference. As I like to say at the start of each of our recent podcasts, what a difference another week or two makes. In our last episode, we talked about wellness tech and shared ways to use technology to help you maintain Your health and wellness in these pandemic times. In this episode, we want to look into the urge so many people have these days to improve their audio and video presence uh, for those video conference calls and to even create their own production studio setting. Tom, what's all on our agenda for this episode? Well,
0: Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we will indeed be discussing how to improve your audio and video presence and uh, create a well-equipped space to produce audio and video content. In our second segment, we'll discuss whether this actually is the time to create your new podcast or your video channel or other content outlet. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. But first up, uh, will the right tools make you an audio or video star or just improve your audio and video presence on Zoom or Teams or other platforms that you might be using. Uh, The more that we continue to work from home, the more it becomes apparent uh, that most of us weren't really ready to do that, uh, at least from an audio or video standpoint, and depending how long all of this lasts, or even if what we've been going through prompts you to start hosting more meetings from your home office or remotely, or I guess even do more video calls at the real office, we thought it might be a good idea to talk through how to build out your audio and video capabilities. Dennis, tell me, is it just the poor quality audio and video that we've been seeing and hearing on Zoom calls and mainstream media that prompted this topic or something more than that?
1: Well, to be honest, it's it's not really what I'm seeing on, on Zoom and, and video calls. It's actually the poor quality of what I see on mainstream media. I mean, I would wonder if they've cut all their budgets for decent webcams and, and microphones. And I don't understand. The big thing I don't understand is that uh, all these reporters using the old wired iPhone earbuds to do their segments. Well, I frankly don't want to see
0: anybody using any earbuds to do their segments, whether they're AirPods or whatever, and we'll get into that in a, in a little bit about my thoughts about that. But I tend to agree. I mean, I don't know if it has to do with, you know, the fact that news outlets have lower budgets, or are suffering because of all of this going on. By contrast, you and I were talking before we started recording that there are some professional, you know, entertainment shows that are starting to record from home. And the quality there really is quite good. Um, the, the, they're using, there's a clear difference in the kinds of equipment that they happen to be using. Um, but I would say that the news kind of is taking more of a rugged approach to say, hey, we're roughing it and uh, and just kind of making it more naturalistic. I think it's along the lines of people saying, well, you know, show up, but, you know, we want to see your face no matter what you look like at home, no matter what your home looks like, uh, because it's uh, good to see everybody, and we're all kind of going through this together. So there's a, a certain aspect to the rough look, but... Uh, it's also, you know, kind of surprising that folks who are so in place such emphasis on looking good in a studio aren't looking the same way uh, when they get home.
1: Or sounding that good. I mean, clearly a lot of the, the uh, news people you see on TV have put tons more time and effort into what's on the bookshelves behind them than they have into the actual production <laughs> quality of of what it is that they're doing. So um, I, I guess in this episode, we'll be talking in terms of a home setup, but the same principles will apply if you've decide that you're ever going to go back into into your old office. Uh, you may have more limitations, obviously, in the work setting in terms of what equipment you can choose or the choices that you have. And I guess, Tom, as always, it comes down to just the fundamental question of can we just make do with what we have? And, and the old question of let's just take a look at what we have and see whether that works. I tend to think, this is one of those cases where you're probably going to find you can't make do with what you have. What, what do you think?
0: Well, so I think we take a step back first and say, what are we trying to accomplish here? If you're just saying, I'm at home now, and for the time being, whatever I've got is whatever I need, and that when I get out of here, I'm going back to their old way of doing things, maybe what you've got is going to work. Maybe that's all you have. And and, and I would say that's a shame. Um, I'm hoping that we learn things coming from this about how We're going to communicate with people and taking advantage of these technologies to do it. So I'm hoping that things evolve beyond the status quo and what it was before we all went home. So what do you want? Do you want a professional setup for talking to clients or colleagues? Um, Do you want a more polished setup to record videos for, for YouTube or other services? I think the purpose that you have is gonna determine the kind of setup that you've got. And and I tend to agree with you. If you want something that's more professional, more polished, if you tend to wanna make more of what you're going to be doing with this, what you have likely is not going to work. If you want the status quo, then, and you say, well, when I get, once I get back to the office, I never have to worry about this again, then, yeah, I, I say go ahead and use the crappy camera on your, on your laptop uh, and, and, and use the, the microphone that you've got on the laptop right there. It's going to do you just fine.
1: Yeah, and I, so I think we start with the laptops we have. Um, typically, people's desktops don't have either don't have a webcam or, or have something that's fairly primitive, especially if if you have older equipment. I suspect that people aren't making as much use out of the smartphone video uh, setup as as they might. So that's something that you could consider the tripod plus smartphone. Although even your issue there is going to be sound quality. And I think that one of the big discoveries is that, that microphones really matter in this. So you're thinking that you're thinking video, but the thing that makes you more professional is having, having great audio. So I don't I don't know. Uh, Tom, do you want should we just start s- saying what we're currently using and why we use them and maybe when we use different setups?
0: Sure. But let me come back and say, I think a laptop will do an adequate job at both audio and video, but not a great job. I will say that um, taking a tip from a client who was doing this, I decided to use my iPad to attend a Microsoft Teams meeting, and the quality difference in the camera was a thousand percent better on the iPad. And so one of the things that I'm going to be talking about a lot is the standard webcam on any desktop or laptop is just not good quality. You're going to want to have something different. As we'll talk about, most most webcams that are of better quality right now are very hard to find on the market. They're not impossible to find, but they're hard to find. But um, I will say that having the right camera and the right audio will make a difference. And, and I agree with you. Microphones really matter. I have been on multiple calls where people are using the microphone on their laptop, and it sounds like a, a, a speakerphone. It sounds like they're just using a speakerphone. The quality's not good. It's not particularly professional. And when we talk about microphones, I think we should probably go into the difference between having a standalone mic, such as we're using right now to record this podcast, or having a microphone that's part of a headset. Um, because, frankly, I think that for a call or some type of meeting that you're having online, I think that having um, just a headset is going to be just fine because I can get a very good quality telephone sound, uh, audio sound out of a headset uh, that I'm using um, for those calls. wouldn't be what I would use if I was going to record a video, if I was going to make something for YouTube. I'd want to have a more professional microphone, Um, but I, I think we probably need to start talking about that headset versus standalone mic, do you tend to agree or would you use it in a different circumstance?
1: Yeah, I I think this is a case of uh, where you need to think what you're using it for. So I think if you're you know, when we do a podcast, we have these really nice Shure 58 uh, microphones, which is what I would want to use anytime I'm doing something professionally. And so if I'm doing a webcast or something where the focus is on me, or it could even be if, if I just wanted to sound great for some other kind of presentation, I would use the, the what I call the podcast setup with the Shure mic plus the stand. Then I've kind of come around to the point of view where I think that uh, you really want to have a, a headset that when, when you're on the conference calls and, and stuff, because it keeps your sound good because the, the microphone isn't moving and you don't have to worry about your technique. Now, there are headsets and there are headsets, and uh, some of them really do sound terrible. Another option you could do is, is a lav mic, a lavalier, um, which then, again, allows you not to have great microphone technique, but will still pick up and, and will, will sound great. So I actually found this $30 MPOW, it's called MPOW, headset and i just got it cuz i wanted a headset it had good reviews on on amazon and i've had a couple people compliment me on how good it sounds so as a 30 dollar option i like that it's wired and i would lean that direction uh, because bluetooth can be a little tricky in certain situations i would would have said the AirPods as an option, but Tom hates the way I sound over the AirPods, so I'm, it, I've crossed it, it off. It almost there. sounds
0: like you're – that's <laughs> not a speakerphone. It just sounds like you're on a cell phone. It's, it's just they're not the same quality. I think that they're good to use to hear things, but I just don't think they're good for speaking into. Now, for headset, I go toward the, – the headset that I use right now for work is a is, is a Plantronics Voyager Focus. U.S. is what it's called. Um, It is a Bluetooth headset, so I can connect automatically to my phone, and it also has a little dongle that connects to the laptop, so I can connect on Zoom meetings or Teams meetings or things like that. I prefer if you're going to get a headset, there are lots of headsets out there that are more like the headsets that you would see like a receptionist at a law firm or that someone would have that only has one ear pad and not the other one. I prefer having two over the ears i I want them to cover my ears because i want to be able to hear what's going on on the call and i find that when i only have one ear covered i can't hear everything so i'd really recommend whatever you go with go with something that covers both ears plantronics A little more expensive than than Dennis's MPOW headset. They're somewhere in the I think $150, $170 range. I will tell you that I'm extremely interested because I'm kind of maybe maybe I'm evolving from getting speakers to getting different kinds of headsets. Jabra has a new set of Evolve 2 headsets out that are, I think there's three different versions at different price points, and they're all optimized for Microsoft Teams. You just press a button and you can join a Teams meeting from your from that headset. I'm really intrigued. I'm going to l- probably look at those despite my credit cards protestations to that, but uh, there's a bunch of different options out there. But I, I agree, having a headset with a microphone is really a difference, especially on calls that you want to make.
1: And I, I also agree on uh, you want both ears covered, and this is probably the place, especially if uh, if you're going to be on a headset all day long. You know, like from Zoom call to Zoom calls. Some days it feels like that. That's the place where I probably would be most likely to go up to scale on on pricing. But I would look at things like comfort and some other things like that. Mm-hmm. On the, the Sure setup, so some people are looking into, because uh, what we're talking about is partly doing a, a studio, but that if uh, if I were doing a home studio that had audio, especially if I had the idea of doing a podcast, and you're using the Sure microphone, and you want something like a mixer or a preamp, we use this, uh, this Scarlett preamp mixer from Focusrite in, I just really liked it. We had something before. We've even used like the Sure uh, preamp uh, with this microphone, and I've just totally enjoyed this focus. Right? I think it's about a hundred, maybe like a hundred dollars, maybe hundred fifty dollars. You can go cheaper on the mixers, but that allows you to do a couple microphones uh, to monitor what you're doing, and uh, you know gives you some amplification. That's great. The other cheap thing that you need to do, and I think this makes sense, um, could make sense if you're bad on the plosives, so your P's and T's, is to, to invest in, in some kind of pop filter, and that's just probably under 10, 10 bucks. So that would be part of the audio setup if you're, if you're doing a studio, and, and that's gonna get you in a pretty good place.
0: The only other thing that I'll add to that is if you want to actually record something that's professional, this is probably way outside the bounds of what most of you would want to do, but I see a lot of people, especially YouTube creators and things like that, who begin to put you know, the noise-canceling foam on their walls and put them in... They don't really coat the entire room, but they put it into an area where it'll kill all the sound that's around them and it will make it a much better and much more um, hospitable recording environment. And so if you want to get that true recording sound, then you might want to consider that you're, the room that you've got, you might want to buy some of that, some of the foam for the walls that you can put. The ones I've seen have been you know, very minor, but they do make a difference as, as to the quality of the audio recording.
1: Yeah, so if you have hardwood floors you know, you're in an echoey kind of room, then you'll you'll want to look at some things that will deaden the sound. And it can be just, you know, anything from blankets to rugs or, you know, foam. Uh, There's a number of other things out there. And then if you're doing recording and mixing, so say you want to do a podcast, then I still think the way to go these days is the free route. And so there's an open source program called Audacity, works on, all the platforms, except there's an issue with the newest um, Mac OS, um, and that's, that's free. Um, that's what we use for our recording. Um, and then you can export it into the MP3 or WAV or whatever file you need. In your Mac world, there's GarageBand, which is another option. But that part of it is actually the cheapest thing because it's pretty much all free these days.
0: Um, The only thing that I would say is um, the other option that would be, you know, potentially to be lower cost is if you really do want to record like meetings on Zoom or Teams or things like that. They all have recording features, so you can record the meetings there. You know, obviously, if you start recording too much, then there becomes a storage issue that you've got to deal with, and 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 it might not be in the right format. So that's that's another option. Obviously, there are more professional audio editing and other types of software products that are out there, but we do tend to recommend the ones that are easy to use, and and obviously, fruit is better.
1: Yeah, and I guess the other thing, Tom, is that. Um, it's worth mentioning the the double ender, as they call it in the uh, the podcasting world, which is that Tom and I, um, although we're we're talking to each other as we do this on Zoom, we're actually recording each side of the conversation locally and then it gets mixed. So that's another thing you can do. So if you're using the built-in tools, like in Zoom and stuff, you're kind of subject to anything that happens in the internet connection or other people's sound. So uh, that's something to consider. So, Tom, let's, so that's the audio piece of it. Um, video, to me, moves things to a whole new level of complexity, but something that you can kind of work your way through. So you want to get us started there?
0: So my recommendations on video are going to be pretty straightforward. One, only use the camera on your laptop or desktop if you don't care about quality because you're not going to get very good quality. I think that your tablet, maybe even your smartphone camera is a step up from those and do a pretty good job. I think that getting, if you can find one, finding a dedicated high-resolution webcam. Um, The one that gets a lot of good reviews is a Logitech C930. I think it's starting to become available in different places these days. Um, It was originally $75 before all this happened. It's now at about $120, $130, so getting a little bit of pandemic upsurge there. But frankly, I am now looking at what tends to be the best advice for video. Um, This may turn out to be the most expensive advice. But where I'm seeing that DSLR cameras, the digital cameras actually tend to have the best video, it's going to be the most expensive option that you have. But just taking if you've got a, you know, a Canon camera or a camera that can shoot video, they are starting to sell, you know, USB kits with those cameras that you can hook up and tend to provide much better video um, than any of the other options that I've mentioned so far.
1: Yeah, I, would, I, I agree with that. That if you do have, like, you, if you have a nice digital camera that you have and you just haven't used for a long time, I would explore that. There are going to be some software and hardware issues of getting the video from the camera onto your computer, but there are going to be tools to that. So it's just a, going to be a, a research project. In all of these things, the separate microphone really is a necessity uh, because uh, wherever your your webcam is is going to be f- far away from you. It could even be across the room. So that's going to make a big difference. So the lab mics are great um in in that uh, context. So uh, good things there. I guess time on those the nicer webcams, one of the things that I've noticed is in addition to the quality, you get this autofocus and this this easy way to do uh zooming, you know, and, and that can be a difference uh where you can go from close to far away. You can also combine a couple of of these approaches. So you could have a webcam, and you could use your smartphone, and then you could have a straight on shot and like a side shot of you, and then in the editing process, you could put that together, and it could be uh, could be uh, make it look even more professional. We talked about lightings and backgrounds in the the last episode time, so I don't I don't think. Much has changed. We just recommend that people listen to that. So um, any other advice about your setup and surroundings for, for video?
0: Not really. I mean, I think, it again, it comes down to what you're trying to accomplish. You know, are you going to be the trusted advisor? In that case, your setup needs to reflect that. Um, your surroundings need to reflect that. Are you just a regular person working from home? You probably don't have to do a lot and you can get away with that. Uh, If you're a professional video star, if you want to be an influencer and start having professional videos, then you're going to really have to up your game and do some significant things in terms of both lighting and background and audio and video. Um, There's a lot more work in that, but obviously there's a benefit to that if you can uh, start gaining followings on uh, any of the video platforms that are out there. Dennis, what about you?
1: Well, I would say that I think that people are getting a little bit bored already because it's been a a whole couple of weeks with the virtual backgrounds on on Zoom. But there are some people who are kind of up in the game. And so... uh so our, our friend Craig Ball is, is I think super interesting in using green screens in very creative ways. Like he uh, even went on to a, a Zoom call as the invisible man by uh, you know uh, strategically wearing green and having green in, in the background and then, then working on that. But uh, I suspect he put a, a little bit more time into that effort than, uh, than most of us would be willing to do. But um, the standard Zoom things, I, you know, people have seen it, you know, been there, done that. And so, but I think if you can do something that's uh, kind of interesting as your your virtual background, that's still good. So I think that's surroundings. And then with video, you can do uh, editing today. And there are a number of Tools out there. So uh, in the Mac world, there's iMovie. Uh, you can do screen captures with the program like Camtasia. There are actually some open source video streaming and editing tools um, and other editing tools out there. I don't know if you have to go to the, you know, like the Movie Maker, uh, you know, Final Cut world, but. That's, you know, Final Cut itself is not all that expensive uh, uh, a product these days. About $250 last time I priced it, uh, but probably a significant learning curve. So I uh, so that's the editing piece um, probably uh, for, and that would be if you're actually starting to do videos and put them out there. And then in those cases, you might want to look uh at somebody, even a a student uh, who does some video editing work to do that for you, because that may not cost very much. And then uh, in most cases, you're typically going to upload your video to YouTube. Um, Another video service would be Vimeo. And that would, uh, you know, with luck and a little bit of audience will turn you into a video star.
0: The only other thing that I would recommend is if you plan to to do video and and you're going to look at a camera and say something Having a good teleprompter is, I think, a good idea. Um, I, ideally, there are several apps that are available, both for Android or iOS. I'd recommend, you know, getting your iPad or another tablet set up on a on a tripod so that you can watch it. And there are some of these apps that are out there that will actually move in response to your talking. It's not that they'll just be on a regular rhythm, but it will actually pause and stop as you stop and as you. Pause. So look for look for those that can actually hear what you're saying and as you're saying it, and that they move in pace with the way that you're going, rather than at a solid pace that you have to keep up with. I think that having those is a really good idea.
1: Yeah, and a teleprompter really does work better than the the classic uh, Scotch tape your your script up to on the wall in front of you. <laughs> um, but part of it is you you'll need to kind of. You know look at yourself and what other people do about how you need to look into the camera or not look into the camera where you need to sit in the screen uh, you know uh, do you want to be right in the middle of it do you want to be to the side of it So some of it's just looking at how people do things on TV and interview shows and stuff and then you do have to give some thought to what it is that you're you're wearing you know depending on the impression that you want to create there's some, uh you know stripes and checks and things that will create weird optical effects so you need to be aware of that and then there is the uh the green the green danger because um, as queen elizabeth showed a few weeks ago that if you wear a, a green dress and you show up on video or in photos that there are people out there who love to use that as a background to put all kinds of stuff on there because that, cause you can, can do that really easily. So I would not wear a green shirt uh, because uh, not that you're famous enough that people would like to superimpose a Metallica t-shirt on Queen Elizabeth, but you know it, it can cause problems with, uh, if you're doing virtual backgrounds.
0: All right. Last tips. My last tip here really is you're in a good place right now to start trying things out. I mean, we're many of us staying at home, you know, things are starting to open up slightly, but I imagine a lot of us are still going to be working from home. It's a good time to start testing things out. And I I think take some of the advice that we've talked about and dip your toes in the water. I mean, I just, that's as simple advice as I can is just start giving it a try and see what works because you might not have so much time later on when when and or if things start to get more back to a semblance of normal.
1: Yeah, and I would say, you know, kind of keep things simple, try a few new things, but sort of one thing at a time. And then the thing I've always felt like is that people are more forgiving in some ways on video than they are on audio. And so if you have really high quality audio that carries things and if you have even if your video is good and your audio is is bad it's not going to come across very well so audio tends to be the hardest thing to do and that that basically means some kind of investing into into microphones
0: all right before we move on to our next segment let's take a break for a message from our sponsors Wish you could get a quote and purchase an appeal, trustee, estate, or any other court or fiduciary bond quickly online? Colonial Surety Company has every bond you need and is a direct insurer that's U.S. Treasury listed, licensed in all 50 states and territories, and rated A-excellent by AM Best, so you can be confident it's a trusted resource. Get started at ColonialSurety.com forward slash podcast. And now let's get back to the
1: Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. So if I had a dollar for every new podcast, webcast, video chat or video channel I've seen people announce in the last month, I'd be so rich. So Tom and I have been doing this podcast for more than 15 years. So we actually feel like we might be qualified to make a comment or two about whether now is the best time to start a podcast and what your odds of success actually will be. So, Tom, is there no time like the present, or how many of these new programs will still be around in a year?
0: Well, I don't know that I'm going to make a prediction about that. I think what I'm going to talk about and say that, to a certain extent, this is a great time to start a podcast or video channel or something similar in terms of time. Like I mentioned in the previous segment, when will you ever have this much free time to get something launched? So my first thought is, if you've got an idea to do something— Do as much as you can before things get back to what they were beforehand because you may not have that time again. This is the time to experiment and to try things out. But that said, don't decide to start doing a podcast because you're bored or because you have time or because you've now listened to a bajillion podcasts and you think that you can do a better one. What's your motivation for starting a podcast? Um, we've talked about this many times about starting. when we talked about starting a blog in the past. I recently st- restarted my blog, and to be honest, I'm a little surprised, but I guess not totally surprised that it's going to take a while to get back to the level of readership I used to have. I'm not starting from ground zero, and I'm still kind of amazed at the lack of engagement there is because... People haven't known about me for a while because you and likely thousands of others are thinking about this at the same time. Ask yourself, what will set your offering apart from the others? It's the same as we talked about when deciding whether to blog. For the same reason that we don't recommend that you publish a general blog about the law— We'll say the same thing about a podcast. Choose a niche topic that will get people's attention. You know, for example, don't start a COVID-19 updates podcast. There are so many of those out there. But maybe a bankruptcy issues for companies affected by COVID-19 might be an interesting topic to talk about. The rules here I don't think should be any different from what we've talked about with blogging for years. Find a differentiator and stick with it and give it a try, but don't expect miracles from it, because you're right. When we all get back into the the normal world, when and if that happens, you may find that you don't have the time or the interest to keep it up. Dennis, what about you?
1: To me, it all comes down to, do you have a show? Do you have a show that there's an audience for? And can you execute it in a way that that audience will uh, both find you and stick with you? And that is really hard. So I think the the equipment, the tools, all those things make it easier than ever. And I think you have this idea, oh, I can do this show and it'll be really fun. Like I have this friend and we can sit around and talk for a while and everybody will find that interesting. Or maybe it's just me. I'll just sit around and talk or I'll talk about force majeure clauses because everybody's going to be super interested in that. No, it's like all these people are doing podcasts now and you're competing, uh, you know, with actual entertainers and people are doing high quality productions. And all those people tend to do very long podcasts. So how are you going to break into that? And so I, I think this stuff is super difficult to sustain especially as you kind of get back into this to swing of if you go back to work. If, you, if you're if still working from home, what you're probably going to discover is that if you take the commute out of your day, you will free up a, a significant amount of time that you could put into an outlet. But I think it's hard to know whether you're a writer, you're a podcaster, you're a video person, and then how you can do it and we're lucky being part of Legal Talk Network is that we can just be talent and we can do our show and it gets produced for us and gets distributed for us. And that's awesome. And if you're trying to do all that yourself, it's going to be difficult and you think you're going to do it once a week and it's going to be once every two weeks and once a month and then once every six months and, and nobody wants to be the person who launches the new podcast and then, it has one episode, which people have done, believe me. So um, I think there is no time like the present um, in some ways, but you've got to be realistic about it. And the fact is that if you haven't started a podcast by now, you want to think about why that's the case. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot of podcasts, Tom, that started out with a lot of energy right now. And a year from now, they're they're not really going to be active anymore. So, uh, but the people who can carry it off, it's going to be great. So now it's time for the parting shots. That one tip, website, or observation, you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away.
0: So the site that I'm talking about this in this episode is called the Work From Home Stack, um, and stack basically means stack of apps and tools. That's kind of what we're seeing on the, the web now. Lots of websites that, that say, what's your stack? What are the set of tools that you use to do certain things that you need to do? This is, I hope that this site gets built out more. We may come back to this in in a month or two and find that it's really just set up for what it is and and it won't get built out more. Right now, it's got about 126 different tools that you can use in different areas of your work life to work from home. So there are lots of collaborative categories, collaborative design, collaborative software, employee engagement, messaging and team chat, productivity, product ma- or project management, video conferencing, virtual offices, lots of different options that you may not be aware of. You've got some of the, the standard ones that you would know about, Slack, Microsoft Teams, things like that, things that you've probably seen before, but there are other a- apps on there that you may not know about. And so if you're looking for a specific tool to make working from home easier to connect with members of your firm or your company that you're not doing right now, maybe there might be something in this stack that will give you some inspiration about maybe perhaps using a different tool. Work from home stack. It's wfhstack.co.
1: So, Tom, I have something that ticks both the boxes of entertaining and educational. It's called Room Raider, which is actually a Twitter account. Um, And It's at rate my Skype room, all one word. And what happens on this account is that all of, uh, especially news people, people doing interviews, um, They'll grab screen captures, and they actually rate the people's rooms and how they decorate and stage their rooms uh, for the the video segments they do. And they do it on a 1 to 10 scale with some, uh, you know, pithy comments, sometimes very funny comments. Um, but it's great because uh, you realize that some of the things that you were seeing when people... Uh, did interviews It kind of bothered you and you weren't really sure why they've really identified them. And when you see new things, um, you realize that it's a common sort of thing. And you can look for things like the people who have all 14 volumes of the Oxford English Dictionary behind them or the Encyclopedia Britannica or their, their books arranged by colors. And you sort of see there are certain themes in in all of these things. So uh, it's called Room Raider. is one way to find it on Twitter or at Rate My Skype Room. And that will get you to it. I will tell you when I read the script and I saw that,
0: I um, went to go look at the account. And 15 minutes later, I was still looking at rooms. Um, it's, it's very addictive. So have a good time with that. And that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode on the Legal Talk Network's page for this podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site where you can find archives of all of our previous podcasts with transcripts. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can always find us on LinkedIn or leave us a voicemail. We've got a voicemail that we're going to be using in an upcoming episode. We're very excited about it, and we'd like to get more messages. So please give us a call at 720-441-6820.
1: So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile.